I'm Alex Marlowe, Editor-in-Chief of Breitbart News, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. Happy New Year to one and all. We begin the show with a fair bit of news, starting with China infecting the world yet again with more Wuhan virus. And thanks to Joe Biden, we appear to be pretty much defenseless. We discussed Donald Trump's latest comments on abortion, Home Depot founder Bernie Marcus dunking on the socialist, media wokeness gone wild, short people apparently fight global warming just by existing. Pretty cool. I didn't know that until I read the New York Times over the weekend. And much more. We then get into the Speaker of the House vote and other items that are front and center with the new Congress, which is sworn in today, those of you who are listening the day the show comes out. And we pick up that discussion with our guest, Breitbart's politics editor, Emma Jo Morris. And we break down the speaker debate and other political items before we wrap up with a surprise winner of a Man of the Year award, which you won't want to miss. All that to come. Let's get into it. I will say I will start with one programming note for any of you who've not been around um, for the last few weeks. But as I mentioned briefly, and I'm going to continue to be vague about this, uh, I've been busier than usual, and that's going to continue for the next several weeks. I'm working on a couple of projects, uh, one really major one that I, I will announce to you guys uh, when the time is right, but I'm kind of 24-7 on that when I'm not doing my basic responsibilities as editor-in-chief of Breitbart News, which are extensive, as you can imagine. So some overtime, editing, wordsmithing, etc. So there's going to be a lot of days where I'm not going to be here over the next month or two months. Uh, and during that time, I can tell you that we have some amazing plans lined up and we're going to be adding in the mix some very well-informed, very entertaining people to guest host for me while I'm not around, uh, in addition to our sort of usual standard people who are doing an amazing job as is. And I think that will enhance the broadcast and I'm looking forward to listening to those shows as well when I'm not here. So the plan is basically I'll be here. Usually it'll be the first two shows of the week. Um, I do have a vacation somewhere in there, which is never turns out to purely be a vacation, but you know how it goes. Um, but for the most part, that's sort of the plan going forward for a while. It'll be um, not entirely consistent, but that's the idea. And then I think you're really going to like it. We got some really cool ideas to bridge the gap a little bit while I'm working on some stuff and wrapping some things and bringing some projects home that I think eventually you will find to be very cool when I get to talk about some of those a little bit more. Um, it, let's see here. Uh, we should probably get in the news at some point. Zach, why don't you go ahead and get me those credentials so I can see my call board. That'd be very helpful to me to be able to see those. Um, okay, a lot, lot of news going on right now. And I guess um, I will start with a uh, the one more year-end thing. It, it is, uh, I, I have a like correction. So the first story of 2023 is a correction from 2022. I said on my, the final show that Elon Musk had lost $100 billion last year. It is actually... 200 billion 200 billion first person ever to do that so i won't belabor that too much because that was a big subject my monologue on um friday's broadcast um, but it is amazing the year we decided he will solve all of our problems is the year he became the first person to lose 200 billion so uh good luck to everyone who is in a company or uses a company that musk is in charge of i will tell you i got a huge kick 
I've seen this interview with Bernie Marcus, who is the Home Depot co-founder, who was complaining about socialism for creating an entitled labor force that is lazy, fat, and stupid. Isn't that sensational? He was talking to the Financial Times. Um, one of the great capitalists of the modern era. And from everything I've heard, uh, I don't, I've never met Bernie Marcus, but I've met a lot of people close to him. And they're, they're super cool people and smart people and very committed to, I think, a lot of the values that uh, you and I share. And, um, but he was saying that nobody works, nobody gives a damn, just give it to me, send me money, I don't want to work, I'm too lazy, I'm too fat, I'm too stupid. And he likes the capitalist system because it is based on merit. And he says he's worried about capitalism. Capitalism is the basis of Home Depot and millions of people have earned their success and had success. I'm talking manufacturers, vendors, and distributors and people that work for us able to enrich themselves by the journey of Home Depot. That's the success and that's why capitalism works. Now, I will tell you that there's some problems with capitalism and I've seen more of the negative elements of it, I would say, over the last few years than I did whenever I became aware of what it was for you know the next 18 or 20 years. Um, but it, a lot of our issues with capitalism now are not really with capitalism, they're really with cronyism. And there's a case to be made that in a purely capitalist society that eventually the best capitalists will get so much money that they will do the only smart thing for themselves, if you look at it from a financial standpoint, which is start trying to buy off the regulators and legislators and bureaucrats and whoever could give them a hard time, which is really what we've seen in the United States. And as our government's grown and grown, the key to being a great capitalist is sometimes being a good communist. And that's why we've seen so many companies like you know Tesla, which benefits so much from U.S. government subsidies and Chinese government subsidies. And then you see companies like Google which, uh, and Amazon, which make tons of money from government contracts. And that's just a huge part of their business model. So it's not really capitalism. Um, but in the sense of having a system that drives people to get those competitive juices flowing, We've really gotten away from that in a lot of ways. And it's nice to hear someone refreshingly bring that back up. Like, hey, it's the we're not careful here. We're going to continue to get lazier, fatter, and stupider. Uh, do you think that we're lazier or um, fatter or stupider than we were in prior years? We're clearly fatter. Um, I don't think our education system is educating people at a better rate. And I think that's across the board. I don't think there's any part of sector of our education. I'm not talking about the Ivy League. I'm not talking about basic elementary school, public school. It just seems like we're, we're not educating people uh, the, the way we once were. There's less competitive stuff. And uh, the, the laziness is interesting. I think for the most part, society segmented off in this regard. I think there's a lot of people who are uh, maybe too ambitious in some ways in that now that you're online, you can kind of have an excuse to never stop working. And I think that there's a few people who get into a workaholic mode because of that, because we have the ability to be so productive now. But I do think there's a lot of people who only are really doing the illusion of productivity. They're doing things that really make themselves feel good and feel important, but aren't necessarily helpful to society in general. And then there are a lot of people who are Netflix and chilling and just trying to kind of live their life and not move forward. And not live a life with purpose and meaning and structuring their day in uh, pursuing what are meaningful pursuits. Instead, they're pursuing, uh, you know, tiny pleasures like uh, laughing at stuff on the Internet.
Um, interesting, though. Always worth uh, checking in on some of these major issues because they're hard. They're, you have to confront yourself sometimes when you contemplate them. Um, China has staged a thousand strong New Year's Eve uh, countdowns, even as they have a new coronavirus variant that is raging throughout the world. And uh, Mike Pompeo was out there saying that China is currently trying to infect the world with new COVID variant and the U.S. must ban incoming China travelers, which I think we're kind of on that process, but we're not there yet, obviously. We're demanding tests. Who knows how well that's being enforced? But there is a new variant that is out there that people are, uh, are concerned about for obvious reasons because it is raising the uh, odds of mutations, and it just is not something that we're prepared for because we've had no advances in terms of treatments and the vaccines have certainly seemed to have gone backwards. So, and it seems to be getting worse because now we're seeing a shortage in a vital children, in lots of vital children's medicines. Uh, I will let you guess why we're seeing shortages in vital uh, uh, children's medicines, including children's Tylenol. And the answer to that is that some parts of the supply chain go through China and what's going on in China. China's got a massive new coronavirus variant that's raging throughout the country. And they're still sending people at a, a rapid rate around the world, which could be inflicting that coronavirus on uh, all of us. Uh, I will tell you of the people in my life, um, I will say over 100% have had coronavirus over the last month or two. Um, and it is a, a not the same as we saw a year ago in terms of intensity, probably not the same as we saw two years ago, but it is inconvenient. It's annoying. And it's going to be deadly for people in bad health and who are older. And China does appear to be inflicting on the planet. And Joe Biden's not prepared per usual. Uh, I will tell you when I became aware of this from my staff at Breitbart News, there's a run on children's medicine. I ran out to my favorite pharmacy, see if I get some shelves completely bare. It's just amazing how we tolerate this, how we've gone backwards in this regard. And uh, it is noteworthy in another um, capacity as well, because we're closing in on, um, so uh, uh, Duchess Marlowe, occasionally known as Ballerina Marlowe, who's 11 months old. So she will be a year in a couple of weeks. And uh, that's when she's formula fed. And this is be this will be, uh, you know, a year is when you transition off of formula and onto milk. Um, and she will have gone her entire life with me having to deal with these baby formula shortages, aside from maybe the first month or so. So uh, I, her formula has been in stock less over the last two months than it was the previous six or seven months. So just a stunning, stunning thing that we have witnessed, that we have this basic stuff to keep children healthy and safe, and we're just kind of cool to not being there because we never resolve these supply chain issues. So, and it's not just children's Tylenol, it's a lot of other stuff. There's places that are rationing children's medicine, children's Tylenol, Advil, Motrin, Amoxicillin, others. Empty shelves. In the meantime, the virus is raging. Um, and we don't have any noteworthy treatments or the vaccines seem to be marginal at best at this point. Hasn't stopped people like, you know, Jill Biden saying that your New Year's resolution should be to get vaccinated. 
but I would like to see the new studies showing how well they're working. I think we all kind of see that they've faded to a large degree. All right, so the far-left health advocacy group called the People CDC has called for continued mask mandates. A New York magazine, or was it the New Yorker? It was one or the other. I think it was New Yorker. Finally did it. They finally did what we all knew was coming. They wrote an article suggesting we just wear masks forever. That was my joke on the front page of Breitbart News. I would do masks, the number four EVA, masks forever. Masks forever. That's what they want. Keep us under control. Remind us how bummed out we are. The once favored COVID drugs are ineffective on Omicron and may be putting millions at risk. Fresh story um, on, because this is a variant, a spinoff of Omicron, this new one. New story that was out at Politico uh, a couple of days ago. In the meantime, Kamala Harris was requiring COVID tests for anyone two years old to participate in the Senate swearing-in hearing. So this will be a, there's a process going on as we swear in the new Congress, which does take place today, as you're hearing this live. And so the, 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 the new member sworn in, they take a photo with her, but she won't let them do it unless they've had a negative test. So it's just, what is the point of this other than the virtue signal? Is she really that concerned that she's going to get it? Or has she not had it recently? Or does she really not believe that whatever vaccines are being insisted upon us are, are, are going to work? Um, I, I get a feeling some Republicans are just not going to go. They're just going to be like, well, let's, I'll just blow it off. If we continue to do this testing culture, then we're just going to continue to have people stay home and miss work and miss productivity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All right, so the new Congress is being sworn in, and this is a big moment for Republicans. be really interesting today because the question is who's going to be the Speaker of the House? Um, and this is unresolved. Kevin McCarthy is going to get almost all the votes. Um, I don't think there's ever been someone who's made it to the Speaker race and uh, who become a Speaker and lost a vote. So uh, there's five or so in the MAGA wing of the Republican Party that are not going to vote for him for sure, at least as far as we know. They just said flat out that uh, we're not going to do it. Not going to support him. Uh, And the Republicans are going to have a margin of 222 to 213, I believe, currently. So McCarthy needs 218. So if all five don't vote for him, and again, that number could shift if some Democrats don't show up. Because remember, the Democrats have very little reason to show up unless they feel like blocking McCarthy. Uh, so then the question is, if McCarthy doesn't make it on the first ballot, then what happens? And it could be pretty chaotic. And McCarthy will try to win probably subsequent ballots. But that's sort of unlikely. I, I guess the most likely to get to 218, if not McCarthy, would be Steve Scalise. But that's odd because... If you're unhappy with McCarthy, why would you all of a sudden be happy with Scalise? Now, Scalise would be fine for me. I mean, he Scalise comes in the show and he catches up with us and he explains what's going on. I think he's a good man and I think he's politically uh, pretty close to to what we would want. So it's fine with me. Works out fine. I, I just don't really get what the goal is. If McCarthy's not hardcore enough for you, who is the hardcore person that's going to get in? From the MAGA perspective, it seems like it's probably going to get 
progressively less hardcore. So this has been the math I've been trying to get some of you who are in the anti-McCarthy camp to walk through with me. And it seems like the people who are not going to vote for him are doing it at a principle they don't like him, they don't believe in him, and they don't believe that uh, the, the base should have to compromise. But the problem is the whole nature of the House of Representatives and our Senate is, is compromise. Um, we don't like to talk about it, but that is the essence of being a good legislator is being able to get a, a, a bunch of people on the same page who might have the same party affiliation but otherwise disagree on a ton of stuff. That is the nature of the job and it is not necessarily the person who is the most ideologically pure. Though I'm not saying it's impossible that there is an individual in the Congress who is ideologically pure in the America First sense and could be a good person to compromise and bring the disparate interests within the party together to vote on stuff. But I, I don't know if that person's out there or if that person wants the job, considering the job is kind of thankless. And very few people have had tons of success in it in, in the modern Republican era in particular. I don't think there's been a super successful Republican Speaker of the House since I've been paying attention to politics. So, um, I mean, Paul Ryan was a disaster. John Boehner was terrible. I think that's it. So, um, yep, I'm very interested to see how this shakes out, how this shakes out, because I just don't get necessarily what the game is. So, but by all means, I'm not this huge Kevin McCarthy fan that if people aren't going to vote for him, they're not going to vote for him. Fine, whatever. Let's see it. Let's see how it plays out. Let's see if it gets better. But if the situation gets worse, then what happens? This is a mentality that is semi-irritating to me that I'm seeing somewhat in conservative circles at the moment is the willingness or almost the uh, people being excited to merely be contrarian and to not offer any sort of solutions, that they're content in being contrarian to whatever is a status quo, but then not going beyond that, which is fun when it's sometimes. And look, I'm editor-in-chief of Breitbart, so I've got a wide contrarian streak, maybe too wide, some would argue. But every once in a while, you, when you proximity to actual power, sometimes it's good just to get the power and see what you can do with it versus just a kind of a, a chipping in your negative take on everything. So it feels like there's an opportunity here. Um, I don't know, maybe it's better with Scalise than McCarthy. But then other than that, then what's next? What's the math next for someone to get to 218? Or does that not matter? Maybe it doesn't. But I'm, if you have a take, I'm curious. Um, if the Republicans get in, we're told the first thing they're going to do is repeal the 87,000 IRS agents. Seems like a no-brainer. Uh, in an era where we send uh, money to every green project without any accountability, hundreds of billions of dollars in the Biden era, when we send uh, nine figures to Zelensky with no accountability, no checks and balances, when you've got people like uh, in our Congress, Nancy Pelosi in particular, getting a nine-figure net worth, uh, even though she's a public servant. Uh, Liz Cheney, who will be exiting the Congress today, golf clap for that, who has made millions since she's been in Congress. Until we start investigating all these people, then why should it, we appoint 87,000 new IRS agents to uh, uh, harass tax-paying American citizens who don't get to write their own rules? Um, you guys catch the Donald Trump's uh, tax returns came out on Friday? 
And uh, here we are 20 minutes in the show. I've not brought them up, and uh, I will not say much more than that because there's not much in him. It's a seems to follow the rules, seems to have good accountants, so he doesn't seem to overpay in years where he takes losses. He's a businessman. Sometimes when the economy's not good, then you lose some money. Other years, he makes a lot of money, so then he pays a lot in taxes. Pays seven figures some years, and some years he pays nothing because he took losses. Uh, did you guys need to know that the tax code is written for owners? It is written specifically for people who own stuff. We have a tax code that is, uh, you know, far thicker than the Bible. And in the tax code, it creates a lot of benefits for the entrepreneur, for the capitalist, for the people who own things, people who own property, people who own businesses, all the stuff Donald Trump owns. Because then when you lose, everything's a write-off. And when you win, then yeah, you pay a big number. But it ends up being beneficial. And it's a good le- it's a good lesson for all of you on a micro level as well. If you can figure out a way to work for yourself, have your own business, the tax code benefits you. There's all these little tricks. And the tricks are in there specifically to keep money flowing into the system to some degree. If you're a purely salaried employee... Um, which is, I'm not there anymore, but the vast majority of my income comes from salary. It's very frustrating because there's nothing you can do. You just get state tax and then the federal tax, and then you're probably paying a bunch of other taxes like sales tax, property tax if you have a house. And um, federal government's very tough. It's a, Then your, your rate is higher than socialist countries. So it's a, so. What did we were supposed to get out of Trump's tax returns? Nothing. Anyway, uh, other interesting things with the new Congress: George Santos will likely be sworn in. The Jewish, maybe gay. We think he's gay. I don't know. Definitely doesn't have the business record he put in there. Borat-like figure. Um, we had a really interesting conversation about Santos with Charlie Hurt on last week's show. It's also the most recent podcast. I think those of you who get the show on podcast. Um. And, you know, my my take overall is I'm finding it hard to be too outraged over it, considering there's so many liars in the Congress already. Joe Biden's life is built on, his whole career is built on a hill of lies, this mountain of lies. So it's hard for me to get too worked up about it, but it is pretty disgraceful for both parties, for the Democrats not catching it and for the Republicans um, not being able to vet their candidates to the point where no one even knew that a guy won completely fabricate his whole resume. So, and we're going to continue to learn what he's all about, whether or not he's got anything pure in his body or not, and whether or not he can somehow do a good job. If he does a good job, given the nature of our political system, I mean, the John Fetterman just won, Joe Biden just won, Pennsylvania elected a dead guy in the state Senate. So he could be in the Congress for 40 years, who knows, if he does a good job, but he's got to start doing a good job quick. So it is pretty amazing to see that he's going to get sworn in. And we're still not done figuring out how much he's been lying to everyone. So will he come out, George Santos, and say, I just was trolling everyone. I was making a big point about society. Or will he kind of act like he's semi-legit, which has been his take lately, which kind of suggests he's some sort of a sociopathic pathological liar, which I'm, I'm rooting against that. I'm hoping it turns out he embraces a more Sasha Baron Cohen Borat approach that he's doing these hoaxes to uh, um, illustrate a broader point. 
Um, but clearly one of the big stories, and we're going to see how that goes, and we're going to see how he starts voting right away. And we're going to see who he votes for for speaker. But it, pretty intriguing, I must admit. I must admit, pretty intriguing, because is uh, it, it's all just a fantasy. It's all a fantasy. All right, uh, other thing that's going on, uh, Mitch McConnell's going to continue to work against conservatives in the Senate, even though the majority of conservatives in the Senate supported him. That means more money for Ukraine, more omnibus spending packages with a bunch of stuff that we can't afford. Uh, more, uh, you can count on him sabotaging more Republican candidates he doesn't like, like what happened with Dan Baldock in, Don Baldock in New Hampshire. Uh, it's the, we went through, we had a listicle at Breitbart just to remind you of how many times McConnell worked against conservatives last year. Voted yes on the uh, Biden's gun control more Ukraine spending, all that's going to continue. So uh, disappointing, disappointing. But that's how the world works. Um, speaking of Trump, by the way, he launched a redesigned 2024 campaign website. There's a link to it, breitbart.com. Check it out. He has been saying that the midterm losses were really because of overturning of Roe v. Wade. It's strange he's going there because Roe v. Wade got overturned because of his Supreme Court picks. And I think a lot of his base is thrilled about it, even if it meant we didn't have uh, quite as many electoral victories as we would have if Roe v. Wade had remained intact and been a political issue. But yeah, I think the Democrats were able to weaponize that politically f- effectively. But it doesn't it doesn't mean that that's not it's not okay. I mean that is okay in the scheme of things. Uh, how much more different would our lives be if we had a couple of more seats? because uh, we needed to slaughter more babies. So it's curious that he's going down that road, saying it's not his fault. Um, the Republicans did, didn't live up to expectations. It was the abortion issue poorly handled by many Republicans. And then he's insisting on that there are no ex- the no exceptions discussion that we had on Friday, which he's mostly right about this, but also sort of who cares? Again, I'm still looking for that fastball. Still looking for it. Not there yet. Still looking for it. At least 34 babies were born alive during botched abortions in 2020 to 2022, including to according to data that Life News put out, which is a pro-life website. It's been um, reporting on uh, these types of issues for many years. So a heinous practice that could be possible. It, it is, and we've discussed this on the show. It's painful. Rand Paul was talking about this, I think, years ago on the show. It's very challenging to a, terminate a pregnancy when the baby has grown into the past five months into the third trimester. Uh, stunning numbers. And this brutality that we're normalizing, I just don't know why we're l- lamenting that we're, there's going to be less of this going on. Um, Biden will get back to work in part of what he is doing because Democrats do not have children at the same rate and don't want to have children the same rate. Uh, don't take my word for it. I was just reminded of a clip of, um, and I'm not saying she's a American or even a Democrat, but uh, Jane Goodall, who is the, what is, what is Jane Goodall's nationality? But she is the uh, person who's known for the bonobos, like studying all the monkeys. Um, and she's an English primatologist, an anthropologist. But uh, I was uh, someone had sent me a clip of her at the World Economic Forum, talking about how it would be ideal if there were seven and a half billion fewer humans. 
Okay. So that's the left's mentality. So, but they still want to win elections here in the United States, considering that there's a huge streak within their ideological ranks of people who think there's too many human beings. So Biden is going to continue to import more via our open southern border. Fewer than 30,000 illegal aliens deported from American communities in 2022. So we're seeing an influx of at least four figures a day into the country minimum, probably five figures a day coming in and 30,000 deported last year. I'm not saying there aren't going to be people who are going to be caught at the border and turned around occasionally, though that system's overwhelmed and we know 90% plus get notices to appear in court, they get their permisos, and then they just go into the country. Maybe they get bussed somewhere. But that's it, just 30,000. Um, we need to replace Americans. We're not doing that at the level we need to. So what is the goal? Just to import non-Americans with no identity here? Other nations are trying to do stuff. Hungary has exempted mothers under 30 from an income tax in order to try to boost their birth rate. And they're very hardcore migration. They don't want illegal aliens coming into their country. So they want to have a, a sane immigration system and they want to encourage Hungarians to babies. So if you look at what's happening in California, New York, six-figure population decrease, it's starting to become an issue for people. Kathy Hochul, the governor of New York, who had, pri who had previously celebrated some um, New Yorkers moving to Florida, has now reversed course and is telling rivals to uh, don't move to Florida. And the policies, because these states are basically one-party states, less so in New York now, thanks to Lee Zeldin. But California is still a one-party state. Um, you know, they're pushing people out in a lot of ways. Their tax code is a marginal rate in um, California. The highest income bracket is over 13% in addition to federal taxes. And they have super high sales taxes and they have relatively high property taxes. So they're not the highest. Um, they have the highest, most expensive gas in the country aside from Hawaii because they have these huge levels of regulation on uh, the gas that can be sold there. Um, and they're, they're trying to add a 14% tax bracket. And in the meantime, as of January the 1st, taking effect in California, here are a few new bills they've got going. They're now a sanctuary state for transgender children. So it's a sanctuary for gender-affirming care, which means when these groomers try to convince young children with uh, only partially developed brains who are still minors that you can just uh, change your biology because you decided it and you saw it on TikTok or YouTube. Uh, that the adults there who are supposed to tell them not to harm themselves and keep them safe uh, are basically now told they can do nothing other than provide them drugs and surgery for their gender-affirming care. Uh, you can now lose your medical license for COVID misinformation. So who determines what's COVID misinformation? Oftentimes it appears is, you know, woke millennials who are anonymous on social media and are not doctors. But doctors who advance uh, incorrect information, coronavirus. And again, the, the reason why this is so dangerous, among others, is that the science does change. The science is not settled. And the nature of science is you're supposed to rigorously inquire on everything that you are uh, stating and believing. You should constantly be testing your hypotheses. Uh, it's the, if anyone thinks they got everything right about coronavirus, they're dead wrong. 
because you can't, because the nature of things does change. Uh, one of the examples was one of the key, one of the key examples, and I forget which variants, forgive me for this, but uh, Regeneron, which was one of the treatments, monoclonal antibodies, um, which I think was, I think it was Delta. We're basically knocked it out. If you could get it quick, if you get Regeneron, which is very expensive, but if you could get it, it basically knocked it out right away. But for Omicron, I don't think it did anything. It might've even hurt. So super expensive and one variant later doesn't work anymore. So anyone who acts like they have all the answers, like how could you do that? Who knows what COVID misinformation is now because we could, we're gonna learn stuff about the treatments and about the virus itself over the next couple of years that will refute some of the stuff that we think we know now. De- decriminalization of jaywalking because it's racist. Uh, a nurses will be allowed to perform abortions without, a doc- without doctors. You're allowed to loiter now in certain places because they don't want to discriminate against prostitutes. This was put uh, by a very creepy guy named Senator Scott Weiner from San Francisco, decriminalizing loitering in public for the purpose of committing prostitution. Uh, why is this okay? Like, why are we thrilled about this? It, we've become such a prude society, but now we're making it easier for people to be prostitutes. Uh, are we supposed to be anti-toxic masculinity at this point, but we're you know making it easier to have a sex trade? Seems like there's going to be a lot of negative downstream effects of that. Um, private citizens are allowed to sue gun uh, manufacturers. And the state is taking more control over fast food restaurants. I hope that uh, goes well. So good luck out there, California. Sanctuary safe for transgender kids. Disgusting. So people are leaving. So then what do you do? You import more Democrats. That's the, that's the, the plan. New York state lawmakers have given themselves a 30% raise. Nice. All right. A couple other quick items before we take our break. Uh, the, it's a couple days old, but I do want to acknowledge that Pope Benedict the 16th passed away and he's lying in the state at the Vatican. Uh, there'll be lots of festivities. Uh, a, those of you who are not up on this or not Catholic, a truly brilliant theologian, incredibly wise person. And almost everything he said was interesting and deeply thought out. Um, his pontificate far superior to the current one. There's a lot of misinformation about him being some sort of a Nazi. It's the opposite. His uh, lineage is uh, anti-Nazis. So a family that was uh, a, 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 had no no hint of anti-Semitism. And uh, you're seeing this smear out there because people like to hate tradition. And they would prefer popes like the current one that is very, uh, uh, tries to bring certain oppressed communities into the church instead of actually talking about uh, what's actually in the Bible. Uh, Disney lost $123 billion from market value in 2022, shares down 44%. There's only one explanation for this. It's the woke stuff. Because uh, they still have some of the most brilliant technology, most brilliant storytelling. It's got to be the story of the weekend is there's never been a better time to be short from the New York Times. Why do they think it's good to be short right now? Short people don't have resources, but as resources, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, short people don't just save resources, but as resources become scarcer because of the earth's growing population and global warming, they also may be best suited for long-term survival. So because of global warming, it's good to be short. 
Time Magazine has said exercise in the U.S. originated as white supremacy. So it's wrong to presume that fat people are not fit. So even if you're fat, you uh, could be actually quite fit, even if you're fat. And the whole nature of it is about white supremacy. So we're going to get a lot more woke stuff in 2023. We're off to a very woke start. Breitbart Politics Editor Emma Jo Morris is on. Always a pleasure to talk to Emma, one of the most uh, sharp and funny people we've got on staff, also deeply knowledgeable about politics. And we discuss largely who is out and who is in, literally speaking, with the new Congress, which is getting sworn in, and where we're at with the Speaker of the House debate, plus a few more topics. Let's hear the interview. All right, Emma Jo Morris is supposed to be here. She's not here yet. So let's take some of the time to talk on the phone with all of you. Let's talk to Chris in Ohio on line two. Chris, good morning. Hey, happy new year, my friend. And uh, hopefully this one will be a blessed one for all of us. Thank you. Same to you. Yeah. Um, real quick, I think uh, listening to your show, and I'm sure this is going to be definitely one of the biggest topics on uh, on any news network, is uh, regarding, obviously, uh, um, the game last night. And I think uh, what makes this thing so uh, so different is that it was such a well-televised game, and there were so many people uh, that were watching that game, and we've seen so many videos, uh, you know, you'd have to hunt for them, of athletes that have collapsed over the past two years, uh, whether it be across these, you know, soccer players, which we know are probably some of the most uh, athletic people in the world. Uh, also, NBA players just boom, just collapsing. And again, we don't want to go there. Uh, but in the same breath, we also don't want to have another movie come out 25 years later, you know, like Concussion did with Will Smith, uh, 25 years later saying that the NBA hid something or, um, uh, you know, there, that there that there is something there that we knew all along that, that we just want the truth. Does that, does that right. kind of make sense? It's not that we don't want to go. Oh, absolutely. Um, yes. But, again, we, we don't want to find out 25 years later that, that man, oh, man, it, it, what the hell is going on? And I think with this being so well televised, uh, you, you can't hide it. You know, I mean, this, this could not be like one of those hidden videos or something like that of, uh, you know, uh, the college kid that, that uh, wound up going into a coma. You know, I mean, these are these are some of the greatest athletes on, on the planet. Sure. And uh, again, I, I watched the game. I mean, I'm a huge Cincy fan myself, mm. um, and it was such an important game. And you know, when you see the hit, you know, obviously you, know, uh, you can ask questions. You know, Dale Earnhardt. That doesn't look like a hard wreck. Uh, that doesn't look like a hard hit that he took. But uh, I mean, yeah, you you don't want to just sit back and just sit back and shut up. Don't worry, you can't go there. No, we, we got sure. to go there, my friend, and, and uh, we have to ask questions because we want the truth. And if these kids are, you know, harming themselves or what have you, and I, I don't know. I don't know. We pray for them. We pray for the family, but we also pray that, you know, we don't we don't have the same type of deal where 25, 30 years later they're, they're making a movie like Concussion. 
Does that kind of make sense? It does make sense, Chris, and I appreciate it. And I know that people's curiosities are peaked here. And thanks for the call. I've got a kind of a longer response, I guess, or medium length response. Um, the the it, it is something though that it's I think an impulse to try to conform whatever is the news event of the day to your particular worldview. And I know this because that's inevitable part of my job at Breitbart is try to connect certain things that are happening. Uh, but it does seem like people feel like that's a signal that is sent that you, if you have a peer group or if you have a group of people who you rely on for your news or a group of people who you rely on in your social circle and they all form a consensus that becomes its own sort of tyranny. Uh, it's like a tyranny of tribalism where you believe that you might be able to draw a conclusion because everyone around you has drawn a similar conclusion if that conclusion is uh, uh, only somewhat informed. And I say this with regards to a lot of the uh, discussion of the vaccines, which have been incredibly unintelligent on both sides. And I don't think the, the, the uh, trust me, what the left, their discussion of just blanket, just everyone should get jabbed all the time, including children, um, is ridiculous. And the, the effectiveness against the various variants and with the various shots is a totally diverse and different and something that you should really work out with your doctors. And they're not for everyone. A lot of people should not be getting them. That's very clear. And I don't see other than you know older people or people who are really out of shape should be getting them at all at this point, from my opinion, but I have no medical expertise at all other than, you know, reading constantly about this stuff and talking to as many doctors as I can and my capacity as a journalist. But we did on the right blow through certain things like a study that came out from Cedar sinai uh, Medical Center in LA, one of the biggest hospitals in the world, that there's actually a huge spike in heart attacks linked not to the vaccines, but to coronavirus, to the actual Chinese probably lab-induced pandemic that that's part of the reason you're seeing some of the uptick in heart-related conditions is not because of the shots that were made in America or, you know, America and Europe, uh, the, the actual Chinese lab-generated virus. We don't talk about that at all. We just talk about the American drug companies. Uh, I know there's a lot of talk about some of the blood clotting that's taken place. Uh, again, we blow through that it could be the virus itself that's doing this, and we go straight to, well, it must have been Big Pharma. Now, I'm not saying it's not Big Pharma. You know which vaccine caused a lot of clotting was the J&J &J one. That's not the mRNA. That's the older technology. And what happened? No one gets those shots anymore. They're taken off the market. So, uh, again, I never came to the show and one time said get the J&J &J shot. Never happened once. They never defended it. Everyone I was talking to was telling me, they, I don't know about that one. And so that one created all this clotting. And now that you're seeing some level of extra clotting that's discussed in some online circles, uh, that that is somehow being attributed to not the J&J &J shots, but the other shots. And again, we've blown through whether or not this is connected to the virus itself. There's another thing that's happening in this country uh, called a, a fentanyl, which is at a, in another endemic level of death and destruction that I, I don't think this is connected to what happened last night in the NFL, but it's the, you know, we have this huge issue of microscopic dosages of this often made in China drug are killing people and causing lots of problems. And we don't talk about that very much because it's very painful to talk about it. And we know realistically, no one's committed to doing much about it because we know we keep an open border and our media is not going to encourage the president of the United States or the current Congress to do much about it.
So these are all things we just kind of blow through all that. We blow through the virus. We blow through the hits of giant pro athletes, you know, taking head-on collisions as the cause of our problems. Uh, We blow through that a lot of people are still in not good health. We blow through that there's a lot of rampant drug use that's going on. People don't know they're taking. And we just get to whatever our tribe has sanctioned as the explanation for anything that's ailing us. And I just think that that is, um, uh, I, I think that that is something that is dangerous. And it's not that I have the answers. I'm not saying I have the answers. I'm saying specifically I don't have the answers. And if you're getting your uh, the medical pos- positions and opinions because you saw something retweeted a lot of times from a guy who does hilarious memes, then you're probably making a mistake. That I can say. All right, 866-95-PATRIOT. Emma Jo Morris on the line with me. She is our politics editor at Breitbart. Emma Jo, we have a lot to talk about today, but I'll start with a big one, which is we have a new Congress, and or we will, and there's some highlights and lowlights here. Uh, let's start with the highlight. Liz Cheney's out. Um, that's very exciting. Uh, start there for me. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, good morning. Thank you for having me. Um, happy New Year. Happy New Year happy to New Year you. So I just wanted to can I can I comment on what you just said to the caller or do we absolutely jump into that's, Liz that's, Cheney? That's You're the your boss. Right. That is your right. You absolutely. The floor is yours. <laughs> well, just I was just thinking as you were speaking too. It's like with stuff, especially like this, but really with everything, as as we know very well at Breitbart, you know, you need nuance because you're not going to have a, a, a mature understanding of anything if you just think in a binary kind of way. And and this topic really, I find, underlines that point where, you know, so much of our news is consumed via social media now. It's very, and even in legacy media, I mean, on cable, it's like you get four minutes to talk about something and 30 second answers. And it's like, it doesn't leave a lot of room for like, you know, a deep discussion or even a deeper discussion than kind of like, you know, 250 characters. And, uh, And I think that that will lead you to a very dumb place. And, um... You're right to say this. Anybody, God forbid, but I think that the way that news is consumed is dumb, is what I'm trying to say. Um, it, it, in, it, in, it, in a lot of instances, it will lead you to a dumb place. Is such a great take on it because it's not even inaccurate. It it's maybe that what everyone is saying is true. Maybe this is you were talking about this, uh, you know, horrific football injury. Maybe when the dust settles, we'll all learn that it really was what all those dank online memesters on the right were saying. <laughs> yeah, but but that would still be coincidental, sort of, because the math is just not there over time that the thing that fits exactly my tribe's political worldview is the literal explanation with no nuance to it. It, it just doesn't well, work right, out that how, way. How often is that the case? Right. <laughs> never? Exactly. Yes. It, it's somewhere close to never adjacent, perhaps. Right, so it, right. And, and, you know, at least at Breitbart, you know, we get all this bandwidth that's something that i love about about online media is that you get space and characters to like really like flesh out what you're thinking and what you're trying to say um as opposed to just handing a hot take on a silver platter and and getting a bunch of retweets or or views or whatever you know because it dumbs down the conversation when you when you communicate that way And, and you know i kind of think about our political situation and how how black and white it is, and it's no mystery why. 
Um, uh, yeah, and 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 it's it's definitely would make our jobs a lot more boring, Emma Joe. If we if we could stop at two hundred and sixty characters, well, what what is the number now? If we just had to stop, just like no, that's all the time we have for. We can't write any articles, can't do additional <laughs> articles. It just hey, I can't say it in tweet, so. Yeah, it doesn't count. Doesn't count. Um, anyway, um, thank you for that. No, and, and I should have invited you to opine after making me uh, listening, forcing you to listen to me uh, monologue for 10 minutes. Um, I do want to return to the Congress. Uh, what is the, yeah, uh, the, so Liz, the, the, the Liz Cheney, Liz, Liz Cheney, Cheney is like, she's like Hunter Biden without the crack and hooker addiction. Mm, you know, she's yeah. just this insufferable. So less fun Hunter. Yeah. She's like this insufferable mediocrity. Um, who only ever accomplished anything because she has a really flashy last name, um, which now, you know, as time has passed and, and the public consciousness has kind of settled on the Iraq war, um, is less sexy than it was. Um, but but she, she's, she's, she was a mess. Uh, she was one of the most narcissistic people um, I've ever seen as a quote-unquote public servant. Um, and that says a lot because I don't think very highly of, of a lot of these politicians. But, yeah, I mean, she was a disaster. She And she was she was there as a vanity project. And, I, and I'm so glad that I really think voters understood that, which is why they fired her. Um, this was the Liz Cheney show every day. And um, this was the celebrity show every day. And I think that we're at a place right now um, in the country where there are so many problems. You know, you brought up fentanyl. That is you know, just one example of the myriad of, of catastrophic problems that we're facing right now. And, and we, there's no time for, there's no time for like a, a selfie congresswoman um, and, and a camera congresswoman. And uh, I'm so glad and I'm so excited to see what her replacement Hagman is going to do because it's about time that that district got representation for that district. Um, so good riddance, goodbye, good luck, and I'll see you at Raytheon, Liz. That's so funny. It's It really is amazing the more time you spend in Washington, you realize the whole calculation so many of these people make is that if I just do the bidding of the defense industry while I'm in Washington, then there'll be a seven-figure job for me when I get out, and then I can cycle back in, and that's just the nature of how these things work. Because, again, if you're a... Um, if you're a, a Navy fighter pilot, you know, you're not making a big salary. Um, and if you move up the ranks, even if you're an admiral, you're not making a huge salary. You're making good, good living. But it's but then you get out and then you can get onto the side of the people who are actually making the products, these giant billion dollar companies uh, who are in the industry and you work on that side of things. You can fetch a huge income and you can go back in. You can go back into service with money. And it's just like one of these things where it's so obviously true, but it is still stunning, Emma Joe, when you show up to Washington and that is what's happening because you don't want it to be true, yet it is. Oh, for sure. And there's so many examples, like it, it's sickening, um, but that's the nature of Washington. It's so incestuous. You know, you have to think about these people sometimes as as real people, which they are, and, and with real social circles and real lives. And that's kind of the nature of life, right? It's like you live in an area, you live in a neighborhood, you make friends with the people who are your neighbors, you make friends at parties, you make friends at dinners. And, um, you know, those relationships bring you to wherever your next place is. And that's true of anybody. But in this circumstance, 
We're talking about people making relationships who are at the highest levels of power and then just trading job roles with each other um, to increase their own power, um, often at the expense of the people who they're representing, who they have forgotten about because they are physically removed from them. All right, let's continue with the uh, speaker race. Um, It seems like Kevin McCarthy is going to have a hard time getting through. I don't totally see where this plays out, but I know that he needs 218 out of 222 votes unless a bunch of Democrats stay home. Oh, and then that number drops. It looks like at least five Republicans are going to vote against him. So I'm not sure how he gets there, but I'm being told he's probably going to get there. I, I don't totally get that. I'm, I'm happy to get your explanation, Emma Joe, what the math is. And then what happens next if he doesn't get there? Right. Well, so I've been reading a lot about this. It's obviously fascinating and crazy. <laughs> Um, and uh, well, okay. So anyway, I, I think, and this is obviously just an opinion. I don't live in Washington and I don't know the future, but, um, from what I've learned, anybody who's telling you that he will get there is, is telling you about what their religion is because there is no proof that he has what he needs to get there. Um, it seems like he is probably you know, the most likely contender just because he's said that, you know, over the years that he will be the speaker. But, you know, here's where we are. Basically, we had an election in November. It didn't go well. There's kind of no way to dress it up. It didn't go well. Our our majority is extremely thin. So you have Republicans who have a very narrow majority where after we were talking about a historic red wave, um, you know, the Brandon administration is floundering and we're just you know, the Republicans are just going to, you know, take take over everything except the White House. That did not happen. That didn't even come close to happening. So we're in this position where where nobody has been particularly impressive. If anything, the the New York situation is probably the most impressive of an unimpressive situation because they arguably, you know, Stefanik and Zeldin and, and you know, the, the New York or the Northeast uh, members arguably pulled this whole house over the line, but really, there's there's no star that has emerged here from this from this very very average election or below average election. Um, and now you have McCarthy who's saying, "Well, I I have been you know the leader of the party, and it just makes sense that I would be the speaker." And he's been really working the phones and really working those relationships. You have then a number of of members who are just refusing to even entertain the McCarthy possibility. Um, There is no promise that he could give them. He at first said, for instance, that he would change the rules to five members. Um, If five members vote to to change speakers, then, then, you know, he would hold that. And then he changed it to one member. If one member decides that they don't want him to be speaker anymore, that they would hold a vote. Um, He's really just made so many concessions um, and those people are, are just not budging. It's something personal. They don't trust him or they don't like him or I don't know. I, I'm not, you know, talking to them late at night, but they, they are making it personal that there is no pragmatic way to, to change their minds. This is something that they're just set with. Um, so then, you know, we have this slim majority. Um, we have one clear contender for speaker. Granted, he didn't maybe do a ton to earn it, but he's maybe the one person that everyone can kind of get on board with, except right. for five people who are just saying absolutely not. No, there is no 
thing that you can do. There's no effective, um, like, there's no effective policy proposition you could make or rule proposition you could make. I'm absolutely not. Um, and and so that's not productive either. So it's like, you know, I feel like I'm watching this and it's like two unproductive parties that make up one political party that has been sent to Washington to govern and they can't even govern themselves. This is a disaster. This is a humiliation. Um, but what I'm what I'm reading in Politico this morning is that apparently McCarthy is just planning on holding vote after vote after vote to try to wear down the opposition to make them just kind of bend. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, yeah and, it might, and it might work. And, and this is right. And so there's a part of this analysis here and our analyses are pretty similar here. Emma Joe is that the, the it's not a job a lot of people want. Um, whoever gets this job is not going to likely succeed um, just because of the nature of the Congress is that I don't see how you get this job with this narrow of a majority with the uh, Democrats retaining the Senate and the White House and get a lot done. It's the, you have to be very creative and uh, you're gonna have to have thought this through at a very high level to be able to make your time as speaker right now productive. So it's definitely a two-edged sword, like a guy like a Steve Scalise, okay? If he kind of backdoors into this, which I'm not even saying he's dying for the job, but if he gets it, how's he gonna do a great job? And then I like Steve, Steve Scalise. He comes on the show. Um, he's generally the communicative that's a Breitbart. It's the... Uh, he's a good man. Uh, what's he going to do? It's a, I'll be rooting for him, but it, what's he going to do in this current landscape to be that effective? And I think that's another thing that what is the real goal of the people who don't like McCarthy? And they don't have to have a goal. They can just not like him and they can vote how they want to vote. Uh, it's the, I understand people who are uh, skeptical of what McCarthy brings to the table. Totally fine. I just don't get what the result is of, of blocking him. What happens next and how do we know it's going to be better? Well, that's it. And like, that's what, like, you know, I find that that kind of goes with exactly what I was saying before about the Liz Cheney situation is like, I, I understand not liking McCarthy and I understand not wanting him to be speaker, but at the end of the day, this isn't about you. You know, that's what I think a lot of people in Washington don't understand. They go into these jobs like it's, it's um, a, like a reality show about them. And it's like, no, this is not what you're there for. You're there for, for representing people who don't have a voice in Washington apart from you. You know, especially when you have these people like in northern Florida who are absolutely nowhere near any sort of power center in this country, a media power center or, or a political power center or a financial power center. They send you there to represent them in where power happens. And, and we're having this conversation about principles, and that's fine, but self-defeating principles aren't very helpful. So you have to think about, yes, obviously what you want and what your beliefs are and, and people are send you there to vote your conscience. Absolutely. But I think that they're also sending congressmen there for results. And if you have an idea and you don't have any endpoint to that idea, it's just an idea. What is that worth to anybody? Are you right. just going to look in the mirror and say it and think it sounds cool? You know what I mean? So I, I understand that point. But you can't just have that point and then put a period at the end of it. You have to have some sort of alternative. You have to have some sort of solution to this problem. Otherwise, you're just there and you're a carnival barker. Right. And I'm just curious if you got these Republicans. I think some of them are well-meaning who I think some of them are very much, you know, all about themselves. Um, but the, the who are going to try to block McCarthy and let's say they pull it off. And I, I mean, I don't see how the math right now where they don't pull it off, but let's say they do then what happens if we get someone worse or more swampy or less willing to work with the America first side? Uh, do do well, they lose the points or, 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 
or, is there some or, sort of is there some sort of base Chad out there in the wings that I'm not aware of? Yeah, who also wants really the job, get... which is going to be a thankless job where everyone in the country they're going to have an approval rating in the low twenties the day they take the job. Like, like it's the no one's going to be happy with this person. How many? This part of the reason why I haven't been a big McCarthy basher, even though he is an establishment guy, he's associated with Paul Ryan and Eric Cantor. Uh, the I've never had one conversation with him in my life. He's never come on the show. It's the he talks to Boyle, which is good. Uh, so it's I'm not ungrateful for that, but it's. One of the things is, who wants this job, this terrible job? It's the Speaker of the House right now in this country. It sounds like a terrible job. And if he's going to be able to try to deal with, you know, the furthest right ring, the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world, and he's going to try to deal with the uh, Adam Kinzinger's and Liz Cheney's of the world, and he's up for it, then it's a uh, go with God uh, from my perspective. And it is, it just seems like who would want that? Who's that great? And if that person's out there, I would love to meet them and talk to them. And people are really, I think people are really thinking about interest in this, in this whole thing. I think they're thinking about their feelings or something or whatever. But the truth is with McCarthy, you know, you could say that maybe he's okay. He is not like the king of MAGA. Fine. I know that. Obviously I know that. But at the same time, McCarthy really, really wants this job. He's wanted it for years. He tried to get it years ago and it got taken from him. And he he really, really wanted it. So if that's the case, it doesn't really matter what his personal beliefs are or what's in his soul. He is going to be willing to make deals to get stuff done and and make concessions to get voted in as speaker. So, you know, if you're really hardcore and let's say you want to impeach Mayorkas, which I've heard is is obviously something that's on the minds of some of the more um, right wing members, say like, you know, I this is my list of things that my three top things that I think have to happen. Um, and they're probably political, you know, and, and this is what I, this is what would take, it would take to get me over the line for you. You know, making it personal is just not compelling because no, none of us, the constituents live in DC. None of us, the constituents know McCarthy personally. So if you're not voting for him on, on the basis of a personal gripe, none of us are going to connect with that. And then you're just going to look like you don't care about the issues and, and, People are going to resent you for not saying, well, why didn't you propose some issues that you want him to, to tackle or want him to address and, and let him earn your vote? You know, it's like this could have been the slim majority could have actually been productive in that way and that you would have had members really making concrete demands and then forcing him to meet them if he wants to be speaker. And this is we're getting the opposite. We're getting like petty personal um, like like drama. It, it's, uh, you know, it's so Washington. It's nauseating. It is. And again, it's the grandstanding that I just am over Emma Joe. And I was sort of reluctantly, I think after the Republican establishment, and I come back to this so often, so the audience will have to bear with me on this, but it's the, uh, you know, coming of age and following politics and then watching how much we were lied to by the Republican establishment through the 2012 election it was time to do a fair bit of grandstanding it was time to really draw lines in the sand plant flags um and to figuratively nuke people who were uh, not in line on key stuff and there comes a point where ultimately you do got to try to govern and not just gripe and i'm i'm not saying mccarthy's gonna do a great job at it i'm just saying that i want to see the plan from people who think that they can do better and i want to to, you got to prove to me it's not a grandstand 
And that's that, where that I'm, is such uh, a great point because it's so ironic. You know, the irony is that these people are taking issue with McCarthy because he they don't think he will govern. But in doing that, they are refusing to govern themselves. Right. It's, it's, it's show show me no the path. No alternative. There's I would no love to see it. Is being proposed. And and if there is that person, why aren't they banging down the doors to come on a show like me? I'm supposed to be one of those hardcore guys, but under Breitbart, I'm supposed to be the most anti-establishment guy around. It's the come on and explain to my audience like what what you've got. Show me the plan. Show me the plan. Gates will come on, but you know we, we, we know Gates is also you know Gates is largely about Gates. I, I like Gates. I, he seems he's a very charismatic guy. I think he says a lot of smart stuff. But uh, Gates is getting what he wants out of life at this point. I think already. So it, it's the but for the other guys, come on, sh- show me the plan. Walk me through it. Walk me through it. It's the it's and by the way, Gates does deserve credit for that. Like he will show up places and he will talk to people about his ideas. He just all of his ideas aren't great. It's just part of the part of the package, which is fine. They don't all have to have great ideas. I just want someone to walk me through where we go from here because it would be nice to not merely complain, but to start right. actually trying to do some good for this country and not just for, you know, your Twitter follower count or your cable news appearance. Uh, total. Yeah, no, you can't. Um, you can't have me on for a conversation like this. I'm going to get you worked up. <laughs> go, go, go. Well, that's go. it. It's just like it's just you know this is what we've been doing. We've been sitting here twisting, but they, but this is what's up. It's like it's so, and there's no nice way to put it. It's like this is all just grandstanding, and and it's extremely frustrating because the whole point of this movement, which has taken so much hold over the last six years, is to end this behavior to end the the talk and no action yeah and 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 in the name of that movement we're getting talk and no action i'm happy to say you know what mccarthy's not the guy for the job the majority was too slim he didn't deliver um he's been in that position and hasn't done anything really compelling you know while being in the minority okay i can hear all of that but then who 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 what are we getting? Yeah, what are and, we doing? And, 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 and give me the name. I mean, it's a, you know, one audience member just emailed me saying Newt Gingrich should be speaker. I'm all in. I'm, I'm all in. Get, Newt comes on the show. Newt should come on and pitch himself, and then I'm all in. Like, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's. It, it, well, you, you can do it. You don't have to be an elected member of Congress to be the speaker. You can be, you're just, you know, not in the Congress, but you can be the speaker of the House. You can do it. So show me. Show me the path. Show me where we go forward from here. I'm just not seeing anything but Emma Joe, we could do this routine all day I do got to ask about one big story um, that we've uh, your friend Alfonso has been named <laughs> the person of the year from the Washington Free Beacon one of our competitive uh, papers it does a lot of good work on a variety of topics um, and uh, this was the illegal alien who you took around New York City on a tour um, and um, you got to know him intimately unfortunately in a lot of ways people who've read your article <laughs> Uh, tell me about this story. Yeah, if anyone has not read the story of my day with Alfonso, um, the title is My Day with a Biden Migrant, Broke, Abandoned, and Lost in New York. It was published in, I think, August, and it is a must-read. Um, he was named Person of the Year, but that piece should have been named Piece of the Year. I, have, I, don't, I hate doing this about my own work, but I have not read anything better um, in 2022. Basically, the story is in first person. I took an illegal immigrant that was sent on the first bus from Texas to New York um, by Governor Abbott. I took him around the city because I wanted to interview. Well, I took him for brunch in the Upper East Side because I wanted to interview him. The reason I took him from Midtown all the way to the Upper East Side is because Midtown is a a zombie apocalypse hellscape that is probably dangerous. 
Um, and I did not want to eat in a diner um, where you would have people sleeping on seats and um, no control over the situation. So I took this illegal immigrant to interview him up to the beach cafe on the Upper East Side and um, where I am a regular. And and uh, we ended up talking over Google Translate because he spoke zero English. He told me about his journey. Um, I, I wrote about that in the piece. And then I started to feel like I'm looking at this person and it's like, well, what do you what do you do? Because no resources were presented when he arrived and he speaks no English, um, had no money in his pocket. He had about 100 bucks, which if you've ever been to New York, uh, that'll get you about a deli sandwich and, and maybe a yeah. pack of cigarettes. That's, that's a so, day. Um, that's, that's, that's one. You get 24 hours. <laughs> Not even. So um, you get to take one breath. But anyway, yeah. so I, I'm like, uh-oh, like, you're going to have a problem. You're going to be sleeping outside tonight, probably. So I, I started to try to, which, I, you know, ended up being very useful um, information for my reporting um, because I started to look into how this guy gets somewhere to, like, you know, lay down and, and maybe his next meal. And, uh, and, and there was nothing. There was no resources for him. The city was absolutely unequipped. Um, and it's not like this bus of migrants. I mean, yes, it took them by surprise, but... The fact that they, they called themselves a sanctuary city. So it's like if you're a sanctuary city, you ought to be expecting illegals, I would imagine. And don't you have somewhere to, like, you know, put them with a roof? So I started to realize that there was none of that infrastructure in place. And then um, I'm worried about this guy. You know, I, I tried to help him, whatever. Anyway, it's, it's him and me just kind of walking around New York City trying to figure out what his move is and, and realizing that the city is just so ill-equipped and that the leaders are just such fake liars, you know, about the sanctuary city stuff. So uh, I dropped him back off at Port Authority and, and he takes my number. I was, I was apprehensive about giving it to him, but I was like, you know, whatever. I, worst case scenario, I have to block him. And the worst case scenario did occur. Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say the end on radio. Uh, we've we've got to get the readers, you know, we've got to get the listeners reading because it's, it's something that can only be stated in print. But anyway, he, he did show his, his true colors, and, and there was some bravery in that. Um, so he was named Free Beacon Man of the Year for that act of bravery, not only for, for making the dangerous and unknown journey north um, to the open border, but um, also for shooting his shot, you know, uh, on his first day in America. So we're very proud of him for this honor. Yeah, and, and there's something so quintessentially American about, you know, just shooting your shot. Yeah, maybe he's more American than some of us Americans. Uh, who, who's, was that Whoopi Goldberg or Kamala? Or the, the, the one, <laughs> someone said that the illegal aliens are some of the best Americans. I, I got to look up who they meant. Said, yeah, yeah, that's what they meant. <laughs> he, he has anyway, a, he has uh, a spark of divinity. Emma Joe, I got to take a break. Francis Martel's coming in, uh, and I got to talk to her about the world news. Thank you for all of the uh, the reporting, and uh, congrats, Alfonso. And uh, couldn't couldn't have deserved it anymore. The most important American is not even an American, not even close. Thanks, Emma Joe. I'm American made. That's today's broadcast. Thanks very much to Zach Jones for putting the show together and Robert Marlowe for helping me pick topics and all of you who are with me for yet another year. Really appreciate it. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. Go on.